from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. My name is Ben Grant. I'm joined as always by JB as the Toronto Argonauts take down the Hamilton Tiger Cats 32-14. JB, we got a lot to sum up. We've got players of the game, plays of the game to go through. But before we get to that, I just want to start off with how our day began. (laughs) Maybe not how our day began, how our game experience began. We went down to Something in the Water Brewing pregame and we got to sample the secret tap. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> the Longboat Pale Ale, the beer that was named, uh, dedicated to fans of the Double Blue, uh, inspired by Darius Bladek. Uh, I, I couldn't actually have any today because I was working, I had to be on air, and uh, I wanted all my wits about me. So I ended up going the non-alcoholic route. And fortunately, Something in the Water has a lot of great options there. Uh, I want to know from you, what did you think of Longboat? Yeah, it was delicious. Uh yeah, it was a really uh, lovely, lovely place to spend the afternoon, and uh, I enjoyed the free hot dog that came with it. And uh, yeah, it was tasty. I mean, what else can I say? It was uh, it was a delicious, cold, refreshing beer. And to have so many people there, I love it. Like, thank you, the listeners who uh, who made this an event. Uh, you know, it wasn't really; it was just sort of an informal thing. And and I, you know, I'd hope some people would go down there. But yeah, it was it was awesome to see so many of you that went down to try out the secret tap to order some longboat and just hang out a little bit before the game. Uh, yeah, we had a, a ton of listeners that I got to meet, uh, you as well, JB. Um, we had uh, PA announcer Adam Ghost was there, uh, the guys from the fan cast. It's just all in all was uh, an awesome pregame experience. And then that led into the game. And I just don't think this game could have gone much better for the Toronto Argonauts. What what were your main takeaways before we get into specifics? Uh, I thought the Argos looked prepared, um, rested. I think anytime you have a bye, especially at the beginning of the season, you, you're probably going to get one of two teams. You're going to get a kind of rusty, not ready for game speed, not ready for the violence of the game team that comes out flat or in this case which is great you get a team that's well rested well prepared had an extra week of rest is healthy and is simply able to look like a team that is fresher than their opponent and and that's what you hope for off a bye and and that's what it looked like to me the Argos looked like a team that came off the bye and Hamilton looked like a team that traveled to Winnipeg to play the best team in the CFL and then traveled back to play Toronto. Yeah, you, you, we often complain about the Argos schedule because there have been some just, again, the first week buys, they're, they're terrible. And then there were some stretches last season where it was just like, oh, my goodness, this gauntlet you've got to go through. How about Hamilton opening with the two Grey Cup contenders from last season, the, the, the winners and the losers of the Grey Cup? That's how you start your year. Uh, that's not an easy start for Hamilton. And they looked they looked a little worn. Obviously, last week's game against Winnipeg took a toll because this wasn't this wasn't a, as good a, an effort I thought we would see from Hamilton today. The pregame they did the the uh, banner reveal. They had the Grey Cup rings going on. It was a really nice crowd out at BMO. Everything about it was great, but 
Did you not feel pregame like the rage level would be rising and rising in the Hamilton Tiger Cats who <laughs> well, were watching this all happen? Well, oddly enough, it, it certainly rose in Chris Edwards, uh, but I I don't feel the rest of the team um, had the same kind of they 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 certainly didn't come out of the out of the gate like fired out of a cannon, which is what I thought might happen. Um, I don't want to say they came out flat, but uh, they they did not come out looking to make a statement. Um, and I don't know why that is, but that was not um, that was not a dangerous team that the Argos played tonight. It wasn't, and and I was shocked by that. Hamilton should be better on paper than they have looked in each of the last two weeks. Now, there's some reasons why they have looked like this. And this isn't a Hamilton Tiger Cats podcast, so we're not going to go too deep into that. But it is a team that we're going to see seven more times this season. And so we do, you know, we should talk a little bit about what went wrong there, but we'll we'll get into that a bit later. What did you think about Coach Steinauer's decision to have the Ticats out there for the pregame festivities? Because he didn't have to, right? They yeah, didn't I, need I, to be out there I for like that, that part. I mean, you're you're hosting the Grey Cup this year. Um, you, you didn't get, you didn't get it done last year. Um, I think most coaches believe in, uh, you know, putting a little hate in their player's heart, um, that can go a long way, especially in a contact sport. Um, I, I agreed with it. I, I didn't think it was overly long and would, you know, I, I would, as a coach, I would have done the same thing to try and have them want to try and ruin the party. It just uh, didn't seem to light the fire that they hoped. Yeah, and I agree with you. I would do that exact same thing. Have them sit there, watch this, build that hate, build the anger, and uh, a little bit of the the emperor sort of philosophy there um, from uh, from the Star Wars series. Um, I, I wonder, I mean, I do wonder what the impact of getting smacked around by Winnipeg was, you know, that... You you know I think you know who you are and you know that you're not necessarily the best team in the league but I don't think you can underestimate how it feels to uh, to be dominated by by a team like that and and where that makes you feel your chances are I think I think a little bit of that might have been in the water yeah I I got a feeling that they didn't have the same confidence that they might have had had this been the opener right and- yeah I, I agree I think it's a totally different game if it's the opener. Yeah, I agree with that. And Winnipeg is just like, Winnipeg's a, a problem, right? Like Winnipeg yeah. is, is going to be a problem because yeah. you look at their game against Saskatchewan this past week. I thought yeah. Saskatchewan played well and they yeah, got they smoked. Them. And so that's pretty much what happened to Hamilton last week. Like before Hamilton even was aware of, uh, you know, that the game had started, it was, they were already down several touchdowns. So just to, to open like that, uh, against that overwhelming opponent and then to come into Toronto and see this you can't help but have your confidence down a few notches and that it looked like that early now Toronto didn't run away with it early on they were sort of playing a field position game early they got up one nothing on on a rouge they were trying to pin Hamilton deep again which just didn't work out Hegarty had some great punts today his his worst punt was the one that went for the rouge where he was trying to pin them but other than that how about two punts that have over 60 net yards uh, into the wind? Both of them. Uh, that, yeah, like, yeah this, you, had a, you, had a, you had a monster oh, game. Yeah, and, and the second one just blew 
me away because you had the returner standing back 55 yards deep. He's already respecting you. And he had to run back to a point where he caught it on full run and ran out of bounds for, for no return whatsoever. Like Haggerty was a, a monster today. Um, but Hamilton comes down and this was a pretty key moment in the game. The, the Qantas Stiggers interception. So Stiggers is in there at corner. Um, and, you know, actually, before we even get to that play, let's get your thoughts because we haven't had a chance to talk uh, on air about Jamal Peters not playing in this game. When we last recorded, Peters had been signed. He was at practice. We both felt like Peters would be starting at corner this week. Wasn't even dressed. Quantas Stiggers, the 21-year-old rookie, was starting at boundary corner. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, it... it... <laughs> It surprised me a little bit. I, I would have thought that they would have loved to have, have, have put him right back in, but on the but also like it didn't surprise me because it was very quick. I mean, he just got to camp. He's just getting reintroduced. There there would be wrinkles to the playbook and just you know just getting used to being in the CFL again. Um, you know, this is not a playoff game. This is not the Eastern semifinal. So. I think that you do have a little bit of time to not put Peters into a position where maybe he doesn't feel 100% ready and you don't want anybody on the field uh, hesitating. That can be really dangerous. So that makes sense. And from everything we've seen, they really like the kid and they really feel they have something. And uh, so I think they they were really curious to to get, a, get some film on him because um, – I think that the you know the the trust they have in his potential is is clear. It's not just us making it up. I mean, he he clearly went from you know a, a camp invite to a starting cornerback. And I don't think anything that happened tonight would make you doubt uh, your thoughts on him at all, right? Like he looked, no, he looked, he looked, he looked good. Terrific. Yeah, playing smart, playing within himself, and he made some plays. Let's talk about that first play, that interception. So. It was it, it was a pretty big turning point in the game. Hamilton could have gone up 7-1 at this point. Argos just up 1-0. Stiggers makes a play. That was a heck of a catch. It looked like Bo Levi Mitchell was just trying to give his receiver a chance, but Stiggers looked more like the receiver on that play than the receiver did. He ended up going, you know, going out for it, uh, having it uh, tip off his fingers to himself a couple times before securing it. Um, that was that was a play and a half, and what a momentum change that was. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really curious. I know Coach after the game also kind of uh, referenced it, like where where does Stiggers play now? You, I think you've got, uh, you know, not that you're worried about is he going, you know, like who's he going to push out, but I think you do have a question now. I mean, I think you're. You're looking at a guy who I don't think you want him just sitting on the bench. So that's a really, that's a really interesting thing for the coaches how they're going to um, get him, get him reps and where they sneak those reps in. Now Stiggers can play pretty much anywhere in the defensive secondary, and he's picked up the defense extremely quickly. So it's not necessarily like, obviously, Jamal Peters is going to be the boundary corner. I don't think there's any question about that. And Coach Dinwiddie, when we talked to him after the game, basically said that. Like, as, as, soon, as, as soon as they feel Peters is ready, he'll be the guy. But that opens up everywhere else. Because if you want to get Stiggers on the field, maybe that means at field corner. Uh, maybe that's in for McFadden at field corner. Maybe 
Maybe it's one of the halfback spots. Maybe, you know, you don't know. It's it's not going to be at Sam. It's not going to be at safety. But yeah, you could kind of put him anywhere. And he's going to be pushing everybody else in that defensive secondary now, especially with as he gets more and more experience under his belt. He's going to be a player. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens to him. And what a great decision this ended up being. Not only do the Argos win the game, not only do they get Peters a little bit more familiar so he can be fired out of a cannon next week, but... They got to look at Stiggers instead of he could have been sitting on the bench all season, right? He could have been behind McFadden and Peters all year long and you never get to see him go. They had a run with him now and they know what he can do. So that's that's the best of all worlds, I guess. So the Argos uh, come down. Uh, they put up a touchdown. It's 8 nothing. And then uh, it, it did feel like it was a game second quarter. And there was a, uh, as we got into the late Late end of the second quarter, like four minutes left, Hamilton was driving. And I, I think the score at that point, I want to say it was like 15-6. And Hamilton's driving. If they score a touchdown there, now it's a game going to half. But a second interception thrown by Bo Levi Mitchell, this one from Deshaun Amos, who uh, comes all the way over to the corner of the end zone, picks it off again. And that was a real swing because the Argos before half are able to come all the way back down the field and score a touchdown to go up 22 to 6 at halftime which Hamilton was just unable to come back from uh, how how demoralizing would that be as Hamilton to throw two picks in the end zone in the first half <laughs> yeah i mean in a lot of ways it it you know obviously it it, it changes the game i uh, I mean, we'll talk a little later about the potential Hamilton quarterback controversy. Um, I thought that he looked fine, but that he didn't look, he certainly didn't look any better than Dane Evans. Sorry, Hamilton. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, now, a little caveat there. So, Bo Levi Mitchell ends up 16 of 24, two picks. Here was the problem that Hamilton had, and I think a lot of people weren't really aware of this going into the game. So, Last week, Hamilton, they're already without Van Zyl, uh for uh, what was supposed to be their, their starting right tackle. They end up losing their starting right tackle from last week. They also lose his backup. And so last week at the end of the Winnipeg game, they had Casey Sales, the defensive tackle, having to play offensive line, wearing a jersey that wasn't even his own, just so he could have an ineligible number. And he got out there and Hamilton must have been like, we can't allow that to happen again. But going into this week, again, they only dress six O-linemen because they just don't have bodies. So they dress their starting five. And again, it's not a, an ideal scenario because one of their starting five is a, a guy that they just haven't seen enough. They don't trust. He was the, clearly the third, their third favorite guy off the practice squad. And then... They have two more injuries after that. So Woodmansey, the right guard, goes down. And Figueroa, the left tackle, also goes down. And there's Casey Sales again having to come into the game for the second week in a row. They've got a defensive tackle playing on the offensive line. And I think Figueroa was able to come back a little while later. Uh, but it just wasn't... It, it, they weren't able to protect Levi Mitchell at all uh, in this game. And I think that goes a long way into explaining why he didn't look very good. And by the time Schultz did look good, now Schultz was 13 of 14 with a touchdown. You look at those numbers, you're like, oh yeah, well, this guy's better. 
But the Argos are sitting on a lead at that point. They were still blitzing, but they weren't playing nearly as tight in coverage. They just weren't letting anything by them. So I will defend Bo Levi Mitchell there. I think he is the better quarterback between those two guys. But there's nothing wrong from an Argos fan point of view about having a quarterback controversy in Hamilton. JB, let's get into uh, let's get into some of the uh, uh, I guess what the magic was that allowed the Argos to really pull away. And I think uh, his name is Demonte Coxey. Uh, what do you think about his performance tonight? Six catches on seven targets, 131 yards. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he's one of those guys that he 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 haunts you with his his potential you know he he has these moments like this where he is just fantastic and um there's something about that wide receiver room where they kind of take turns with the magic wand and one game uh you know one game a season each of them is unstoppable uh makes for a, t- a tough team to defend because you know obviously you're not sitting down and making up a game plan to stop coaxy uh, so yeah, he looked great. It, it just speaks to the depth of that room that, you know, you're, st- you still look at the talent that is out there who, who didn't get the ball. Um, it, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Coxie, Coxie obviously had the highlights and he had that huge 59 yard catch down the sideline, but even that like Chad Kelly's ball there, cause we got to talk about Chad in a little bit and sort of do a, a segment on him, but Chad throwing down the sideline a ball that probably went 50 yards in the air, maybe, and lands yeah. right in Coxie's hands. It was a double move, too. It wasn't even just like a straight go. It was a double move. So the timing isn't even something that you can kind of rely on. And he had great protection from the line and was able to put that in there. And we've seen over the last couple of years, there was a one knock on McLeod Bethel Thompson we had is that he had trouble with some of those deep balls. They, they so seldom connected. And to see Chad lay that in there right in the hands was was pretty sweet. Well, I know the Hamilton coaches must have just been sick because it was such a classic change of possession dagger throw that I'm sure they were yelling, you know, alert deep, alert deep. And, you know, and he still put that dagger in him on the change of possession. Yeah, we, we often will call that sudden change because you're your defense gets so down after a pick, you know, like, Hey, we were just out here. Yeah. And now the offense just turned the just, ball over. You know, and I love it. I love the play call. I love it. I love, I love going for the dagger it's, while they're kind of trying to figure out what the hell's going on. You just drop a bomb on them. And they had Gittins going down the other sideline. There were yeah, options no, deep. I, I love, I love the play, even though it's, it's so, it's kind of predictable. Uh, I still love it because it works. Yeah, and when you've got a weapon like that, with Chad having such an accurate deep ball, and you've got a speedster in Coxey, who's a great target on the outside too, uh, yeah, it's it's worth dialing up a couple of times, and that was that was a huge play in the game because that's what led to that to that uh, go ahead touchdown to make it twenty two to six. So let's talk about Chad Kelly, but maybe we'll segue into talking about Chad Kelly by. Going over the short yardage stuff, because last year, Chad Kelly was the short yardage quarterback. He was very good at it. This year, he might be the short yardage quarterback, too. It looked like the plan was going to be for Cam Dukes to be the short yardage guy. Argos had first and goal from the one, or maybe it was was second and goal from the one. They brought in Dukes, and he just got stuffed on the quarterback sneak, and Chad Kelly came back out for the third down play and was able to sneak it across for the touchdown. 
He was able to sneak another one across later for a touchdown. He just might be have to be the guy. He's really good at short yardage. I know he's the starter. You don't want him taking extra hits. But I think he's just going to have to be the short yardage guy. Uh, well, I mean, ironically, that's kind of where we got to with McLeod last year, too, is let's just leave McLeod in. Um, and, and that seemed to work as well. I agree. I mean, I would love for them to have somebody on the roster who could, who can take that contact down at the goal line. Uh, cause there's a lot of helmet action and he needs to get, in my opinion, he needs to get lower. He needs to get tighter to that lead offensive lineman that he is going in with. He, he kind of runs it like a running back. Like he's slowly reading what's happening and. I, I just worry about that. I worry about him getting cleaned out by a linebacker. So I I, I think the Argos need to go find themselves a short yardage quarterback. I, we don't need to get into the weeds on that debate, but he looked great. I mean, look, that's part of his that's part of his energy and his charm for the team, right? Is this guy is gonna run through a brick wall for the team and the team loves it and feeds off it and you know, it was fantastic to see. The crowd was into it, you know. Who doesn't love to see their quarterback you know, smash through the goal line for a touchdown. So, yeah, it was it was terrific to see. But I think from a more dispassionate point of view, I, I don't see the uh, I don't see risk and reward making much sense there. Yeah, three rushing touchdowns was not what I was expecting from Chad Kelly today. I thought we'd probably see a couple through the air. We didn't. But yeah, the two quarterback sneaks. And then he had a five-yard run where he juked Ja'Gary yeah, Davis out of his shoes. Yeah, he took contact on that play, though. He did, but he took contact on a number of plays. And that's something he has to get better at. Coach Dinwiddie was frustrated. It's not really the right word because he was laughing as he said it. But he he told Chad, like, you got to slide. You can't take hits. And even there they were at the end. I know. N- not I only. Know. I mean, that was almost uh, a terrible situation. Yeah, it's late in the fourth quarter at that point, and it's a read route, or sorry, a read read run, where he's riding Olette along with the ball, and if he gets the right read, he pulls it. But at that stage of the game, usually the read is off. You're up by several scores in the fourth. It's not really a read anymore. You're giving your big running back the ball. But Chad read it as you would in the first quarter, the defensive end crashed and so Chad pulled it ran for the first down and then realized like as he was getting hit oh yeah I was supposed to slide and so he sort of slid as he was being uh contacted and you know I'm sure coach Dinwiddie was yeah I mean that's uh, part of him being you know a young gunslinger you gotta you know it's not you know you're talking about a lot of football you know and you know he he even though you're young, you're not that young, and you know you're going to get beat up over the course of a season. You have to, you have to walk down the hill, not run down. Bad decisions at all from Chad Kelly. Like I saw two that I thought I would have done differently, uh, but only one was really, uh, you know, one I I think you'd say like, oh, I wish you had that back. There was a, a play near the goal line uh, where he just threw it to double coverage, just didn't yeah. see the safety sitting there. Yeah, I think he was just to me, he was he was still kind of jacked up from that pass he made down the down the sideline, and you know felt like he had the magic arm and he could gun it in through nine guys to his guy. But you know, then his next play after that was the correct read and the safer read. I I was really happy. I mean. I don't I don't mind those bad decisions at all. I thought they were they were in uh 
they were on they they were just what you would expect from any quarterback. I was I was really happy with how within the system he he looked and how how calm and prepared he looked in the pocket. He didn't have happy feet. He was not looking to run. He was always looking downfield. He was not looking for checkdowns. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, with how he played. Now, if I do have one criticism of him is that I think there were a few occasions where he should have run. There was one I remember in the second quarter where he had an easy first down if he just tucks the ball and runs because the linebackers had fanned way out. The DBs were all back. He broke through the defensive line. And then just before he reached the line of scrimmage, he tossed it up for Cam Phillips in the end zone. Like yeah, way I mean, downfield. That, that's, I mean, you know, gunslinger going to gunsling. <laughs> I know. I know. That was, and that's it. Like, that's what, that's you what happened on to, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, we're just going to have to live with that. Yeah. And that's, and for that, for every play like that, that didn't really work out, you well, have one that did in the fourth quarter where he basically does the same thing. It's like second and 20, they draw a PI penalty on, on uh, a pass interference against Coxie uh, and Argos get a first down. And that's another one where most quarterbacks probably don't make that throw, but he sees his guy one-on-one. He's like, Hey, let's see what happens here. Yeah. I mean, look at old man Mitchell. He, he threw terrible <laughs> interceptions in the red zone. I know. And and a couple, like, he was just lucky not to be intercepted. He was lucky not to have thrown four interceptions that game or five. You know, Pickett nearly took one back to start the second half. Um, you know, so I think, you know, Chad was well within the acceptable rate of of throwing the occasional bad pass because some of his passes, those those field side passes where the defense just didn't think he could get it there, uh, and he put them on a rope. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes a coordinator take a gulp uh, where, you know, you're leaving that far side route and you're like, you know, throw it if you want. And then he did, you know, he took it and just gorgeous on a line throws. Let's talk about the running backs. Uh, Olet and Harris uh, weren't used equally. I kind of thought it would be a little more equal. Olet had 13 carries. Kelly was actually the next up with five carries, although three of those yeah, were quarterback sneaks. They seemed sneaks. to really kind of feel like they were going to hold Harris out until the fourth, sort of felt like anyways. Yeah, and they end up using both of them a little bit more later. Toronto didn't really have much in the way of rushing in the first half. It was it was all Chad Kelly throwing. He had 185 yards passing in the first half. Only 23, 20, 28 is my math, or 28 yards passing in the in the second half. But it was all run. They had so much A.J. Olette. They had a lot of Andrew Harris in the second half. Uh, and it was it was correct given the circumstances, what was going on. And it was working, too. They were actually getting down the field, running the running the football. So I guess that's why they stuck with it. But yeah, I, any I thought, concerns I thought about Olette, the run, though? I thought Olette looked great. You know, I thought he looked uh, a little lighter than last year. I thought he looked faster. Um, he still hit people like a battering ram. Um, my only, my only, you know, sort of comment would be <laughs> they still have to call the right plays for him. You know, he's like on the misdirection plays, he was way more successful, you know, on those plays where the center's getting to the second, se- second level, and then he's making a cutback. You know, there were certain plays where you run that those really work for him. The, the stretch play or work for him at all but i thought when they called the play that that met his skill set um he looked terrific i thought he you know i thought he dominated that fourth quarter 
There were a couple of runs I just didn't understand the design for. Some were great. There was some new... We saw a lot of new stuff on offense today. A yeah, lot of new runs, especially. Some were, well, the, I, they only ran the stretch for them once. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, no. No, not that again. Uh, no. They ran a lot I mean, of pistol. What, what, yeah, like, like, no, no. And they also had they had one where uh, Devaris Daniels had to block the end, and that yeah. one didn't work. They they no. they were playing around with some stuff, but clearly trying to see what would yeah. happen here. Also, they that uh, Curly Gittens reverse, they can put that one back in the oven as well. Yeah, well, that was supposed no, to be you. building off of the old that play, but that's the pistol stuff that I don't really like pistol in the CFL. Um, but they did quite a lot of it today, and that's sort of new too. Uh, they ran some traps and some some whams. Um, that we didn't see last year. So interesting. Like, I like that there's new stuff, but I think, yeah, some they're going to throw right in the garbage when they look at film and some they're like, okay, we can yeah. build off this. I, I mean, look, if, if they want to, I mean, we talked about five running backs is a lot on the roster. Um, if they're going to use Harris five or six times in the fourth quarter, I mean, that's okay to keep them fresh. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense in terms of who you have uh, you know who you have dressed, but uh, for now, I guess I guess that works. You know, Thunder and Thunderer um, <laughs> is an interesting combo. Um, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. They had them on the field together quite a bit tonight. Yeah, and we talked about that last year. I mean, I I like that. I like that look. I mean, like any you know, like as a defensive coordinator, the only two things that concerned me were motion. And formations that I had not seen a lot of, so I, I I love for offenses to to have lots of motion, and I love offenses to to throw as many different looks as possible just to get guys out of their comfort level. What do you think of the O line tonight? Yeah, great. Couple. I mean, I don't. I, I was kind of iffy on that one holding penalty. It didn't look like I'm not so sure that was holding, but um, I thought they played really well. I thought they, you know, I thought they kept. Uh, they they kept Kelly safe. There was the one Edwards uh, late blitz that they uh, that they didn't pick up, and he got a clean kill shot on that we knew, you know, that we had predicted uh, quite a while ago. Um, and running wise, you know, they're still they're not road graders. That's not who they are. But they they opened some holes in the second half. I thought they wore down that defensive line uh, in the second half. Yeah, I thought so too. And and I agree. They're not this is not a it's not going to be a run first team. That's just not who they are. No, and they no, should be. I, I thought the pass protect was good. Yeah. And I, and Edwards, like that was a really nice delayed blitz. I mean, I you know And you start from it's way wide around the outside. Like you can't even I don't even know if how far you can extend to that. Like yeah, I don't think no, exactly. I'd have to see it. I don't even look just looking at a replay, I'm like, geez, I don't even know who could pick that up really. You'd have to you'd have to call like Kelly would have to identify that and bring somebody over like a running back or something. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think he's just got to see that and throw into it. I, I don't know how else you, you deal with that at that stage because it's so late. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that was a, a bit of a hold your breath moment because Kelly took <laughs> a pretty was, big shot. Yeah, he was on fire. He wanted to win that. Thank God the rest of the Ticats did not have the Chris Edwards blue flame. Yeah, and Edwards took a, a penalty for a late hit. The, Hamilton was a bit undisciplined. There was chippiness, a lot of pushing and shoving. It didn't feel like Toronto ever really got too far engaged in that, though. No, I don't. I don't think they we see Hamilton as a rival. <laughs> That's I know people were talking about that earlier this you week. You know, so like Hamilton's like, ah, oh, we're gonna get you, and Toronto's like, what? Who? This is just you know, just a game on the schedule. 
That's not going to make Hamilton any happier. Well, I'm sure we'll see. I bet there's Chris Edwards. We'll see if he's still around. <laughs> he might have fought people on the bus home. Yeah, well, there was like Tim White was pretty heated at the end. They were I don't think they were getting after each other so much, but they this Hamilton team wasn't happy. And at least that's something like for Hamilton. I guess that's good. Like you don't yeah. as a Hamilton fan. You don't want your team to be like, well, I lost that one. Uh, so there was some fire as they're on their way off the field. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the D. Uh, so Arimalade, uh, not a highlight real game. He had a sack and you got to see a little bit of that magic where he kind of um, uh, ducked underneath the left tackle and sort of worked his way in for a sack. You saw that speed. They were clearly aware of him and game planning for him. What do you think about the rest of the, the D line? Yeah, I I mean, they they kept the run in check pretty much the whole game. There was a one touchdown uh, where they kind of got crushed down. Um, but I thought they kept the run in check. I thought they did a nice job of um, of engaging the offensive linemen and and leaving lanes for the linebackers to clean up. So, like, the linebackers had a nice clean front to look at. Um, I didn't think they tried to do too much. I thought they did a really nice job of just simply – like holding the line and not letting that line of scrimmage get pushed. And, and then occasionally they would unleash a blitz and, and, and get after the quarterback. I was, I was really happy with uh, how well they dominated the line. Now, well, as you will talk about the Hamilton offensive line was um, at best, you know, a a plane leaking oil. Yeah. You're just not going to see another offensive line this season, probably with this many, replacement parts uh, it just wasn't um, a real o-line uh, it wasn't a cfl level o-line by the time we got to the the second quarter so to have you know dayton black in there who's a rookie to have uh, a casey sales who's a defensive tackle in there and you're already putting a guy in there who was it was a, a, your third guy off the practice squad so you had three guys in there who really shouldn't be in there at all one no. who's not even playing the right position so, yeah, of course, there's going to be pressure. In some ways, it's surprising that there were only two quarterback sacks. Uh, yeah. I said Aramalade got one, and, and Robbie Smith, I think, had the other one. Uh, well, but I think they that had speaks pressure. to, I mean, I think that speaks to a veteran quarterback, too, though. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no, like, they were. If, like, Bo Levi knew what he had to do, and he knew when to step up, and he knew when to throw the screen. And, you know, he, he that's why veteran quarterbacks are tough to blitz, too. They, you know, They've seen a lot and they can, you know, I think a younger quarterback might have been in more trouble. You know, what's kind of cool is that three-man Argo rush where you've got Aremolade on one side, Costigan on the other, and then either Oakman or Brinkman, one of those two big guys in the middle, they were able to generate a lot of pressure off that three-man rush. And that allows you to do so much cool stuff uh, on the back end. Like, cause you can have your, your line, especially these linebackers like Jordan Williams, who can play kind of anywhere and you can really uh, befuddle a quarterback when you've got nine guys that are dropping back into coverage. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, linebacker play, uh, no Enoch Mwamba uh, for, for this game and maybe for a while. Uh, How do you think Jordan Williams did? He was he was yeah, sort of great. the shiny I, new toy. Yeah, there. really nice professional debut for the Argos. You know, um, some really nice cleanup tackles, um, really nice run tackling. Um, they didn't use him a ton getting after the quarterback, but, uh, you know, that, that'll come. I mean, I think he has that gear for sure, but I thought, you know, he played fantastic. McManus was just like quietly deadly efficient. 
And uh, I thought Pickett, you know, we we talked about in camp. I mean, as much as I am a Chris Edwards fan, I mean, Pickett is just uh, an absolute steal. The fact that we we got him, I mean, I, he's a star. He is he is, you know, he is the engine that is feeding that defense uh, the way Edwards did, but maybe like not running quite so hot. Um, I thought Pickett was fantastic. Yeah, he led the team in both tackles and special teams tackles. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Like, he plays specials. He goes 100 oh. miles an hour on specials. So, so he's not, you know, Mr. Big Shot. Um, he 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 can he can drop and play great coverage. He is a great blitzer. He cleans up uh, on run plays. Like, I just I can't express how, you know, impressed I am. I mean, I, it feels like McManus again in the same way that I, I couldn't believe what an addition McManus was. That's that's the level I feel about Pickett. The, and this, if you're including him as a linebacker, man, or, they have or, uh, you know, options. Passbacker. Uh, Whatever he is, uh, you know, a dimebacker, cover linebacker. Uh, yeah, they have they they showed out today. I was a little nervous at the end. It looked like McManus got injured, but he was able to jog off. So hopefully he's fine. But that that made me a little nervous. McManus, I think, is the one that made the hit on Bo Levi Mitchell in the end zone that knocked him out of the game. It it, it was it was a legal hit. He hit him just as uh, uh, BLM. Uh, released the ball and that was the last play um, that he took and, and Schultz came in after that uh, is there a quarterback controversy in Hamilton do you think <laughs> I hope so Hamilton you know what to do you <laughs> they know do. They've he, been through he certainly looked the young guy looked a lot better he moved the ball he threw a touchdown um, I love it Hamilton 0-2 Time to bring the young guy in. I would bet you a bag of golden fleeces that the young guy starts next game. Well, if he does, it will only be because Bo Levi Mitchell is hurt. There's no chance. If Bo's fine, there's no way Schultz is starting. Not after it's game two. Not after all the money they've given uh, Bo Levi Mitchell. I just think there's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. And to be honest, I think you also have the team. You know, I know the team should know better. But the team, sometimes teams just feel a vibe with the quarterback and they feel like, you know, they feel like the ball is moving and the ball, you know, there's an electricity to one guy and the other guy, they don't feel it. And sometimes that can happen. And then you, once you start getting locker room questions, that's when you really, that's when you really start getting into a problem. So Hamilton is not in a problem, but they're walking right along the edge of a problem. Yeah, I feel that. Which is delightful. <laughs> what did you think of Coach Mace's defense? Because I thought it was pretty different from what we saw last yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, I know. It's, I'd love to watch the the film tape. I'd also love to watch the 24 film CFL, if you could figure that out. Yeah, they've got other fires at the moment. <laughs> no, I know. It's so far down the road of what they're able to achieve. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I thought it looked more aggressive, which is what we were talking about. Um, you know, it's so different without Shaq out there. Um, and, and, you know, without Mwamba there and to have those two guys not playing tonight and still the defense just looked, you know, um, in control, just, just absolutely in control. Like, like they had Hamilton's playbook down Hamilton just, you know, they could move the ball a little but. 
I would say half the catches Hamilton had were circus catches. Yeah, I felt like it. They made some you know? some just ridiculous and a catches. A couple of screens, you know, they, they a couple yeah. of big plays on screens, a couple of first downs on a quarterback scrambling out and you know getting away from pursuit. But those are not those are not plays. They didn't string together drives. Um, this wasn't bend don't break. This was uh, we're going to uh, we're going to bend you actually. Well, it was 32-14, and eight of those 14 points came in garbage time at the end. So, like, the 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 starting defense in real-time football gave up six points, which is is pretty good. I think you'd be happy with that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought their system was interesting. Now, what I want to know is how much of it was based on this being Hamilton with a really banged-up O-line? Like, because they sent a lot of pressure. They sent uh, pressure from the secondary. They sent the linebackers a ton. They had some really exotic fire zones where one guy's coming from one side and then pulling away, and then this guy suddenly comes in. Um, it was exciting to watch. Not stuff we saw last year. Last year was a far safer, a lot of cover four, a lot of um, bend but don't break, a lot of um, don't let anything behind you. Yeah, I, I just think it it's a like more that. exciting group. I think the front seven is more exciting, has more uh, more of an attack skill set. Uh, than they had last year yeah well it certainly was it certainly was attack they were man they were after it seven eight man blitzes sometimes and then yeah. three and then they would show six and seven and i was sure they were coming and i've got a way better vantage point than the quarterback does and yet they timed it so well the blitzes were timed beautifully for game one and the mugs were timed well too where guys would sort of look like they didn't want you to notice they were creeping up but really they're actually backing out uh, and it, it didn't really confuse Bo Levi Mitchell too much, but I think that's going to get better and better, and it's going to cause problems for less experienced quarterbacks. And maybe one of them is Taylor Cornelius, who the Argos play next week. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that uh, how that game goes. You know, the Argos are going to be heavy favorites, but uh, I don't like the idea of playing a team that just got shut out the week before either. It's just unless Dean Evans becomes the Edmonton quarterback. Yeah, and uh, we've seen what he can do sometimes. Uh, let's let's get into our players of the game and uh, and our play of the game. Um, who is your player of the game? I'm assuming you're going to go defense uh, and yeah, deservedly um, so. I mean, Pickett for me, Darius Pickett. I thought he was fantastic. You know, he 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 he's all over the field. He must have had three almost killer sacks. Um, he comes flying around that corner. They have to adjust to him. He can drop in the coverage. Uh, he made an amazing special teams tackle on what could have been a problem. Uh, he and he just came in and you know cleaned it up and uh, and took care of the the guy who was who was about to get outside contain and you know so I I uh, he he is my guy for sure and I thought he was the defensive player of the game. He also had a really nice block and and was directing traffic on the opening kickoff. I love seeing that. He's back there deep with Javon Lee. Yeah. No, I mean, Lee got the ball. Pickett's like pointing to three different guys. Like you're there, you're there, you're there. You follow me. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he clearly has taken over. To my eyes, he has taken over. Um, at least in the secondary. I, I, I mean, I, it feels like he is he is one of the big voices on that team right now and should be yeah i mean how how can you not i mean he backs it up the guys guys flying all over the field 
My player of the game, I, I would have actually gone with Pickett, but I'm going to change it up just to go somewhere different here because you went with Pickett. Um, I think Demonte Coxie, you've got to give him credit for 131 yards receiving. You've got yeah. to give it to him. Six catches, 131 yards. He had that huge game-changing 59-yarder, and he also made some incredible catches. The, his best catch of the night was only for a three-yard gain. He was like doing a somersault while juggling the ball for uh, for three yards. But yeah, he was all over the place tonight, made good catches and, um, you know, didn't get in the end zone, but did everything else. I actually thought there was one play where I thought he could have gotten to the end zone. He was coming across the field and the guy that ended up making the tackle was coming, uh, coming towards him. It would have been really easy for him to reroute and get around him, but it's easy for us to say up in, uh, you know, up in the, the third level of the stadium, uh, much easier to see it than it is when you're on ground level. But yeah, I think that's the only opportunity he had where, yeah, he probably could have gotten into the end zone if he ran that a bit differently. But what a game from him. And if you can get contributions from him like this, he's not a guy they were looking for, right? Like we knew about Daniels. We expected Ambles, although obviously he's hurt. We wouldn't have been surprised by Gittins Jr., by by Cam Phillips. We were not coming into this year thinking Demonte Coxie is going to be the guy. But you hear how excited everybody is to talk about him. Like Coach Dinwiddie's face lit up when we asked about Demonte Coxie. He had a big smile on his face. He couldn't wait to talk about how he tried to get Coxie into the CFL even earlier. Uh, I think back in his time with with Calgary, I think if if I'm correct and that's what he was saying, or maybe it was right when he arrived at the Argos. But uh, yeah, he's thrilled to have him here. And I guess he foresaw him being a big part of the plan. JB, what's your play of the game? Uh, my play of the game is my guy Stiggers. Um, you know, Calgary was putting together a, a nice drive. Like it was like an eight or nine play drive. And the score was still, um, I think it might have been one nothing or something at the time. It was early. And they put together a really nice drive. And they had just gotten a first down, which is the absolute killer. And, you know, it was just a bad play by the quarterback and a terrific play by Stiggers to to get a hand on it and to have the, you know, the sense and the athleticism to to then come down with that pass. I mean, that that is not easy to do what what he did. And um, it, it totally changed the vibe in the building. I think it changed Hamilton's kind of sense of what they were doing and and from that point forward the, you know the Argos never looked back so I thought that was I thought that was the turning point in the game really and I'm going to actually take the other end zone pick uh, because I thought that was a momentum swing also and you're not wrong like that was that would have been that could have been 7-1 seven, seven, Hamilton at that point yeah. and who knows what happens now Chain, yeah, changes everything I think it did and then mine is at the end of the, the second half like I talked when we kind of did the recap there 15-6 Argos, Hamilton driving. If Hamilton scores there, maybe it's 15-13 or 15-14 going into the half. And that's that's a whole different ball game. Instead, Deshaun Amos makes a heck of a play. Oh, Receiver coming up the sideline. He's in cover two. He's got to travel so far to get over top. Tavares McFadden was in coverage. He was beat initially. The only thing that could have gone wrong, because I, I was watching, it just it was just uh, luck of the draw. I happened to be watching Amos on that play, and I saw what he saw, and I saw him make the break. I thought he and McFadden were going to collide full yeah, speed. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was that's how bad, <laughs> how bad a read it was. Was that the only thing that could have happened was that the two Argos had such an easy flight to the ball that they crashed into each other. 
But yeah, fortunately, Amos, I think, saw McFadden. I don't think McFadden ever saw Amos, but he saw he saw McFadden. He braced for contact as he was coming down with yeah, that. that was... And uh, yeah, what a swing because then, yeah, like three plays later, the Argos in the end zone. Now it's 22-6 and the game's over. So well, Don't like me... that play, Hamilton. Go get yourself a young quarterback who won't <laughs> yeah. make that play. That's right. Um, yeah, I don't think they need your help in sabotaging things right now. They're own <laughs> too. They don't have any offensive linemen. They may not know who their quarterback is next week. I think they're doing just fine at the moment without your without your sabotage. Well, I'm just giving them some advice. So we will have JB's report card coming out sometime in the near future. We are going to have our midweek podcast as we do the pregame walkthrough probably a little bit later in this week. It's another Sunday game next week. Pre-game walkthrough probably comes out Wednesday night this week, just to allow us some time to to see what's happening in practice, get a little bit more sense of what's going on in terms of the injuries and and what the Argos are looking at next week. I don't expect, based on what we saw today, I don't expect to see anyone that played today who can't go next week. Any injuries that you're concerned about from what we saw today? No. It looked, it looked, yeah, it looked, looked clean. Um, I was a little worried that early on when, uh, when they had, you know, um, you know, CN Power went down. Seemingly, so I don't know what happened there. It just kind of went down and took his helmet off in the middle of the play. But that that didn't really turn into anything. So I was happy to see that. So other than that, I think they looked 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 like a pretty clean escape. Yeah, there were, I think there were a few cramping issues too. And that's something that you often do see early in the season. But yeah, I don't know what all the injuries were. We had Sean Oakman went down, but he was fine. He was back in there. You had uh, Robertson Daniel went down late, which worried me, but that seemed to just be cramps. Wendy McManus went down, but was able to jog it off. So yeah, a few things that were like brief heart stoppers, but I don't think anything that's going to go into next week. So this should be a pretty healthy Argos team traveling to Edmonton next week. Well, I'm I'm pretty excited about my CFL picks coming back around again next week. I'm uh, on fuego at the moment, so I'm I'm I am excited to dig back into some picks. Yeah, well, we'll have to go through that in our pregame walkthrough. See how our picks did. I got off to a good start and then fell to pieces uh, <laughs> in the last two days. Thanks, Edmonton, uh, for for showing up yesterday. I told you. I know, I know. You should not. It's just a rule. You should not back the Edmonton Elks at the moment. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the Post Game Reaction Podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.